0: oh my I have enjoyed that yes boy Be oh my I have enjoyed that yes boy Be oh my
1: I have enjoyed that yes boy Be oh my I have enjoyed that, Me, oh, my, have enjoyed that. Me, oh my I have enjoyed that yes boy Number here Tefano and thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of code with Kingy where for this preview podcast I've had to call on one of the lads and I thought why not call on the biggest lad of them all uh, that being what a lad James Marshall? Uh, first off brother thank you very much for your time and helping me out this week and how have you been during lockdown?
0: Hey mate thanks for having me on again I think it must have been about what a year since you had me on Mm. last time and mate it's been awesome seeing you go and kick on with how you've been doing you've had some unreal guests on and some awesome podcasts so keep killing it. Um, Lockdown for me has been pretty full on eh like my three boys are uh, all under or five and under so mate the days are days have been pretty long but it's been nice to get out to level three um, down here and um, be able to go around, extend the bubble a little bit, offload the kids to my brother who's just down the road and um, do a little bit more things outside of the house, which has been a welcome relief. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you very much for the kind words, my man. And, and ditto to you for me. You've been tuning through so many different players. You got the boys in for the sevens once they got back from Tokyo. And, uh, and also a big thanks to your brother then obviously for... Handing the kids. Have you managed to get away from any takeaways?
0: We had fish and chips tonight, bro. <laughs> That's the only takeaways I have and heart for we went down to the wharf and had some fish and chips on the beach. It was it was good stuff. The kids were been hanging out.
1: Yeah, bit. Was it chocolate No, it wasn't too bad, to be honest. No, not too bad. Yeah, I haven't actually got around to getting any takeaways. I'm trying to stay on the straight and narrow while. I'm, I'm sort of away from everything, but that'll probably go out the window once we get back down to level two. But anyway, we're here to talk some footy. We've got the All Blacks playing on a Sunday at 6pm, which would be a 2pm kickoff time over in Perth at Optus Stadium. And before we crack into like the footy and the lineups or whatever, uh, one thing that sort of took me back and I didn't quite take it for what it was, was the fact that the All Blacks are on tour for like close to the next three months. They've had mm. 10 tests over the next 12 weeks and then they've got to do two weeks in quarantine when they come back to New Zealand. Now I'm not a former professional player, but you are. So could you give me a probably a better understanding of like how tough it is actually being away from your family and being away for that long?
0: Yeah, mate. That, that's a huge ask. Like i the longest trip I did was sort of three weeks in South Africa, and even that was, you know, you get to the end of that trip and you start getting pretty homesick, especially if you have got kids and things at home that you start missing some pretty crucial um, moments of their lives. So um, it, it can be pretty hard for some of those guys, but. Some are on the other end of the spectrum. Some of the guys just love being away and like love living up, especially the guys with like no partners or um, no family. that they, they, they love being on tour. So um, I'm sure there'll be two sides to the story of some of the players over there. But yeah, for some guys, it will definitely be tough. And it, I mean, I'm not surprised to see some guys stay home, especially the ones with the families and the kids on their way. I mean, it's a no brainer for them, I think.
1: Yeah, totally. And I think the other thing that from a lot of the reading that I've done is just how the All Blacks coaching staff are going to deal with the inevitable hiccups. So I think they've said that you had that the players that they have to call over, if there are any injuries, have had to have had both their jabs and they've only got so many MIQ spots reserved for when they come back to New Zealand after they're done in the Northern Hemisphere. So it's, it seems like it's going to be quite a thing to juggle, not only for the players, like you've just said, being away from families, but then for the coaches as well as as to how they handle that. Yeah,
0: I know a lot of the guys who are, are in the frame, they've had their both jabs already, so they all sort of got jabbed along with the All Blacks. So um, that side of things shouldn't be too much of an issue. I don't know too much about the MIQ spots or anything like that, but I think they've got enough sort of versatility in that squad that and a big enough squad that they should be able to get through um, the tour with what they've got. They've got lots of quality players who aren't even in the squad um, 23 this weekend who are, are just you know, ready to go whenever needed. So um, I don't think there should be too much of an issue. But, yeah, you know, once you start getting two or three injuries in one position, then um, you're definitely going to have to be calling upon some troops.
1: Yeah, well, it seems like they've left a few boys back in New Zealand, like you said, the guys that are on the frame to get games under their belt while they're here. Well, they can't play at the moment because we're still in lockdown and fingers crossed. Um, That changes when we drop down to level two and hopefully eventually level one. But the thing that's got me confused as well, if Auckland stays at level four and three, does that stop the competition from going? I wonder what they do with the Auckland teams or whether or not they can work their way around that. The plan is
0: for them to catch up whenever it's available. So if the season starts without those sides, then... Um, They'll be playing catch-up with some maybe storm weeks later on in the season. So it is going to be really interesting to see how it all pans out. But, yeah, there's a bit of a draft draw that's come through and it, um, it looks promising for footy fans anyway.
1: Well, I want to see RTS, like, probably above anything, so... Yeah, fingers crossed we're not too far away from seeing all hey, people
0: it, it would be good to see him on. I, I messaged him to see if he'd come on the podcast. I got one of my first no's, but it was worth oh. a shot.
1: <laughs> come on, Artyus. If you're listening to COVID Kingy, get on what a lad. But more back to the Sunday's game. The All Blacks are without four pretty integral guys to their team, that being Dane Coles, Sam Whitelock, Aaron Smith and Rich Moanga. Uh And we both had a, a chance to look at the team that's been named. What do you make of the team? And do you think that with the change in personnel that we might see a different style of play from the All Blacks, you know, trying to base it around the strengths of their new game drivers?
0: I, I don't really think so. I think when you take out those guys, it sounds like four pretty key guys. But when I look at the squad, I, I don't even notice them missing, to be fair. Like, you're replacing Mawanga with Bodhi, who's been itching for a start at 10. I'm looking really looking forward to seeing him go at 10. I know he's been hanging out for this, but I mean Richie's been on absolute fire, so it's going to be a real good uh, opportunity for Bodie to put a uh, put his hand up. And I mean, you look at the two locks with Scott Barrett and Ritalic, both of them, mate. I think there's world nothing class. between all three of those guys, though. Potentially, I'd start those two anyway. So like, I reckon they're both world class locks. So, and even like Cody Taylor at Hooker. I mean, him and Colsey have been battling it out for ages, and um, I'm not even sure if the All Blacks are sure who their number one hooker is anyway. So it's going to be a good opportunity for Brad Weber, I think, as well. That would have been a tough selection for them, I think, between him and TJ. And I'm sure they'll both get quite a bit of game time in this game. So looking forward to seeing both those guys get an opportunity because, I mean, Aaron Smith has really locked down that 9 jersey for a pretty significant length of time now. So it's going to be cool to see these guys have a real crack at with some decent minutes.
1: Yeah, 100 percent I only ask because well, when you look at the the styles of plays for the players, uh, I mean, Barrett and Wang are pretty similar, they're both running first fives who can have the ball on the string, you know, on their best of days. But Geordie Barrett's a bit a bigger body at fullback. And I've spoken a bit about him in the past and thinking that if once we go up against maybe a team like the South Africans, that I feel like would be better suited to having him at the back because they're just gonna kick. Um, so mm. this is probably like a prime opportunity for him to stake his claim for that 15 jersey. But I mean, McKenzie was on fire during Super Rugby and he hasn't really like let down the All Black coaches with his performance for the All Blacks. Uh, Weber was a surprising one. Um, I'm probably more towards the Weber corner than TJ Peranada purely because I feel like his game replicates Smith's more in terms of like the speed of play and I feel like he's got a slightly better pass. But again, like TJ's the perfect impact player off the bench, like, you know, big running half back, who just brings a lot of energy. And then, yeah, at lock, I'm, I don't know, like, you probably have a better idea than me. Sam Wylok's the primary line-out caller for the All Blacks, so do you think that'll fall back onto Scott Barrett or Brady Retallick?
0: Oh, good question. I'm not too sure about that, but I know they can both call a pretty good line so I don't think there'll be too much issues there.
1: Mm. And then the other one was, well, moving or looking towards the bench now, Toke Aho, and instead of a Safo more. is that, I don't know, like, have you got any like inkling there for us or any, any intel there? Because he seems to have gotten yeah. a leg up on him.
0: Yeah, I'm not too sure what happened there. So um, he obviously played well when he got an opportunity, must have impressed um, the coaches with training. But yeah, that was one that I was surprised to see. I mean, Asafa is um, impact. He just screams impact, yeah. doesn't he? Man? He's, mm. the, he's a sort of dream guy to bring off a bench with his explosiveness. But um, I mean, Takiyahu's not too far behind in terms of explosiveness as, as well. So um, it's a good opportunity for him to put his hand up. But, mate, they might be looking uh, further ahead. You're never quite sure with um, the selections and things like that.
1: So maybe Asafo's got to start around the corner or something. So who knows? Yeah, exactly. Like we said, they've got another nine tests after this one. So, yeah, mm. a lot of footy to be played. Um, and, you know, speaking about a guy that you probably know really well from your time in the Hurricanes, Adi Sevier. He was unveiled as the All Blacks captain last week. Uh, knowing him the way that you do, like, do you think that we'll see an even greater version in the All Blacks jersey? You know, with Severe out there like that. You know, just he was so emotional like during that press conference that he did uh, for the All Blacks and for the news. So, yeah. yeah, what are you expecting from him,
0: mate? I'm I'm pretty much expecting the same thing from him. I'm, I'm not sure if he can play much harder than he already <laughs> does. <I'm> really... <laughs> He, he gives it 100% every week, like no matter who he's playing for. So whether the captaincy can take that to another level, I'm not sure, but I've, I'm expecting another unreal performance from him. Um, and I think he's got, he's obviously got all the respect of the guys um, in the side. So I, I thought he was the perfect captain for this test match. And mate, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him out there and leading the boys, especially after you see how much it meant to him. Eh? It's pretty cool to see.
1: Mm, and I read a really good article uh... By Hamish Bidwell during the week as well. And he talked about just how significant having a Pacifica or, a, you know, a, a person of a, a minority within the All Blacks leading the All Blacks. You know, Cause I think that just shows to kids that there is that pathway to being like the most important player in the team um, front and center. So, I've, you know, well, no brainer for me really. Yeah.
0: yeah, mate. And he does awesome stuff in that space as well with the Pacifica community as well. So uh, mate, he's got such a huge following and, um, yeah, it's, it's awesome that he gets an opportunity to lead the country. And like you say, so many kids and um, young Pacifica, Pacifica athletes will be um, so inspired by him leading the All Blacks. So it's only going to be good for New Zealand.
1: Mm-hmm. And before we get to the Wallabies, uh, just one more thing from me. Leonard Brown comes back into the midfield uh, and surprisingly, Seveu Reese gets the drop, pushes Iwani back out to the wing you got Will Jordan on the other one. Do you like that back trio? Yeah, I mean... It's, I, I find it so hard, eh? like even when
0: I try and pick my side, it's like they're, they're all so close, and there's so much, there's so little between so many of the players at the moment. Like I feel like the depth's just so good, and yeah, like you say, like Will Jordan, um, Rico Iuani, both quality players playing really well. Sevu Reece really unlucky because I mean he's he's done nothing wrong. He he was one mm. of the four winners in, in the comp as well, so. I don't know. They might just be giving these guys an opportunity. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing Geordie at fullback. I'm looking forward to seeing Anton Leonard Brown at 13. So um, it's just another chance for these guys to put their hands up, I guess, because I don't think Sevu's being dropped um, for form, that's for sure. So um, I'm sure we'll see him in the frame next game.
1: Yeah. And it's easy to forget that Caleb Clark's back in Auckland. He's not even with the All Blacks. And he was the starting winger for them towards the back end of last year. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Just that does it make it more difficult for a coach having so many good players to pick from? Because then it's like, well, you know, you know, worst case scenario, the All Blacks lose, you know, knock on wood that doesn't happen. But mm. when you've got that much depth, then you're going to have people crying out, oh, well, you should have picked this guy or you should have done yeah. this or like, I I knew that combination didn't work.
0: Yeah. 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 I think more so for the like keyboard warriors and stuff, but And I mean, in the coaching environment, they'll be stoked to have so much um, competition and depth and being able to chop and change and try different combinations without losing any um, real quality in in their players, you know. So they they can pretty much experiment with any of their backline at the moment. And they know that they're not going to lose too much with whatever option they choose.
1: Totally. All right. More over to the Wallabies to make this a more balanced podcast. Probably like the only positive they can take going into this weekend is that the last time they played there uh, in 2019 they spanked the All Blacks leading up to the World Cup 47-26. Do you think they'll take any confidence out of that because I mean like after that drubbing that they got in Auckland what was it a couple of weeks ago there weren't really a lot of positives to take from it.
0: Yeah it's hard to know how much you can take out of a performance at a um, stadium like that but I think they can probably take more out of those last two tests than we probably give them credit for. I thought, I mean, the scoreline blew out a little bit in that last mm. test a couple of intercepts, a try on full time. Uh, the game felt a little bit closer than it was. And in that first test, I thought that was a real, um, real battle. I thought the All Blacks really struggled in that first test, and um, Wallab- Wallabies put them under a lot of pressure. So um, I think they'll probably take more out of those two games than anything. Um, Considering where they've been and the situation that All Blacks are in at the moment and quarantine and all that stuff, I think um, there'll probably be a few more reasons why they'll be getting excited than um, last season's blowout. But who knows? Like, It could give some of the guys in the team a little bit of confidence and sometimes that's all they need. I,
1: I agree with you on that first, yes. I didn't think there was a lot in it. I actually was really impressed with the way that the Wallabies defended, but it was just a couple of lapses so, if we go back to that first test right before half time, right after they score that pretty jammy try, which was a not straight throw, but yeah. you know, the try gets awarded. And if Michael Hooper's not offside, the All Blacks don't score that try on half time. And then right after half time as well, uh, with that intercept, like, I think they built maybe like a dozen phases together and then like bang, Mwanga steals it, score seven points in the other direction. That was pretty much the ball game. I know the All Blacks left in let in some pretty soft points um, in that last quarter, which was disappointing as a fan. And, you know, Ian Foster and John Plumtree came out and said that wasn't good enough. And then mm. they turned it around. They, they just seemed to click a bit more, even despite the the conditions in that second test when the rain came down. Yeah. Um, and again, I've, I've been like, for anyone who's listened to these podcasts, you know, all, all three people, my mum, my dad and myself, you know, I've I've been pretty critical of the All Blacks the last 12 months, but I thought in that last test that their school set really came together Um, and hopefully we're in for the same thing. Uh, come this Sunday. But yeah, I guess just lastly for me on the Wallabies, like I I like a few of their players. Like I like that Tate McDermott at half back. Um, He reminds me of like a really early Wolgenia. I'm not sure about the 10, but again, it's one of those things where when you're going up against, you know, arguably the best side in the world, I mean, well, you probably give that mantle to the South Africans. So you put the All Blacks at number two. Well, well, England at number two, actually. Where am I going with this? But you get what I mean. But. I don't know. Like again, as someone who's gone through the professional ranks, and you know, you probably had it's like baptism by fire. Is Dave Rennie doing the right thing by tuning out these young guys and giving them opportunities?
0: Oh mate, D- Dave Rennie's a very smart coach. A really great Dave Rennie, and I think he's always backed his young guys. Like I remember him backing like a young Aaron Cruden with Manu two and um so, and even at the Chiefs potentially as well. So he he's never been afraid to chuck a young uh, player, especially in at ten. So. Um, but like you say, it's it's so hard to be an um, opposition 10 against all that, especially at a young age where you're still sort of learning the craft of game driving and game management. And, um, I mean, he struggled a little bit in terms of that from what I've seen. But, mate, he's obviously a talented kid. So, um, the more sort of time he gets in that hot seat at 10, he's going to just grow pretty quickly. So, could be a bit more of a long-term plan looking a bit more fur- further ahead than just this Peterslow series. or. or- uh, what is it? Uh, Rugby Florida. Championship. <laughs> what do we call it? Rugby yeah, Championship. Yeah, yeah, I don't
1: know what the sponsor is these days. That they chop and change so often. <laughs> like especially with the old uh,
0: uh, NPC. It's changed <laughs> every <laughs> minute. <limit. laughs> Building site in <of> history.
1: <laughs> yeah, mate. Was, I, someone was like telling a joke the other day that like once Bunnings is finished with it, Placemakers is probably going to pick <laughs> it up just to get through all of them. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Nice. Uh, but yeah... Uh, I don't know. Like it's it's yeah, it is so hard to really like get a gauge on like how good or how much potential these guys have when they're going up against quality opposition. And I mean like the All Blacks have probably ruined a lot of careers for a lot of budding young talents. Um, but cream, you know, eventually rise to the top. So you know if you're a, if you're a Wallabies fan, you, you've, you've got your fingers crossed that Lola Seal comes out and um, turns to good. So I mean, but I mean he's had Quay Cooper in his corner the last couple of weeks. I thought that was interesting bringing him back in. He was a guy that was discarded by you know the likes of Checker and Deans. Um, and Rugby yeah. Australia full stop but you know obviously Rennie's taken him in and looked to get all his young guys and got them to soak up all of his experiences and yeah I guess we'll see come Sunday um, what sort of impact uh, he's had but more over to the score what are you predicting?
0: Um, I'm probably I'm predicting at that time of day like a pretty high scoring game to be fair I think the All Blacks will be probably a little bit more clinical um, than they even have been so I'm expecting a sort of a 50 point to 20 sort of score like last time but i think yeah a lot of it will be really clinical play i think i'm expecting big things from the
1: boys i haven't quite gone 50 i've got the 30s for the all blacks um Mm. and i think i think the the australians might creep over 20 so i've gone i went 35 20 is my prediction but yeah i guess we'll just have to wait and see what about what about goal kickers that, that's probably going to be another talking point. So Mwang is like the, your first-hand one, like when you've got your 1A team. But obviously, he's not there this week. And mm-hmm. you've got Barrett and Jordy and even David Havilli. I mean, like David Havilli is probably like third in the picking or whatever. But between the brothers, does Bowdoin get the knob because he's the older one?
0: I'm not too sure, to be honest. It's a good question. I mean, it won't be Davey. But um, depending probably how bodie has been striking them at training will be um, probably the deciding factor because I know he likes to goal kick when he's, um, when he's hitting them well. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. But Geordie will obviously take the long-range ones. But, yeah, I'm not too sure. It'd be a good thing to check out.
1: Is, so is that really what happens? What, you guys get to, like, your Thursday or your captain's run and whoever's kicking them better gets to take the tee out first?
0: Yeah, it is sometimes, yeah. Like, coaches don't generally have a say in it. So it was all, especially in mm. the Canes, when it was me and Bodie, would always be kicking sometimes he'd just come up to me like I'm not kicking them well just be ready I'll hand them off to you as soon as I miss if if, if he misses a couple early so because he'd generally know if he was going to have it off night or if he wasn't quite striking them well so there's yeah. a couple of times in his career he passed it on to me pretty early but um, he'd generally give me the heads up on the Thursday or um, captain's run if he if he felt like that and it wasn't too often not as often as probably people get stuck into him about
1: Mm. how do you feel for that personally like i know for me and i've never kicked at your level that if someone or if if there's the opportunity for me to kick i'd rather start i'd like it's almost you know when like you're in a game and your primary kick is touch a couple of times and he's like okay i don't want to kick the touch somebody else do it (laughs) and like it's just the poison chalice it's (laughs) like oh like oh thanks mate like you're just throwing it to me because you don't want to borrow it (laughs) anymore Yeah, I don't especially know, it, when there's
0: like a real shit wind <laughs> or something and you've got like the worst one you're in like middle of the field into a hissing wind. You're like, all right, <laughs> here you go, That yeah,
1: Scoreboard cool pressure as well. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I I I always probably preferred not starting to kick and then um, okay. coming on because if you know, I just I don't know. I, I never really enjoyed kicking to be fair. Um wasn't something I really um liked the pressure of, I was was never that consistent enough to feel confident enough lining up that ball every time. So even if I was hitting them really well at training, which for probably a couple of years at the Canes I was, but I just wasn't kicking. So I was quite happy with the arrangement.
1: Yeah, It's a very hero to zero task, right? Like you can be the hero one week and then next week people want you out of the team sheet. Um, 100%. David (laughs)
0: McKenzie is a perfect example in that back end of the um, Super Rugby Brewers. Kicking winners all over the show, and then has a slightly yeah. off night in the final, and now he's all of a sudden a shit kicker. So, yeah, it's a classic goal kicking. Yeah, Always fans- a goal
1: kicker. As well. <laughs> yeah, fans like me can be pretty cruel on social media. <laughs> all right, um I guess that's a wrap on this uh preview podcast, my man. Um, I'll have to get in touch with you sunday night or monday depending on how long the, the game drags on for to try and churn out something quickly for my listeners but yeah again thank you very much for your time and go the all blacks
0: Cheers, brother good to be back on thanks mate